Amen. Welcome, y'all. Summertime, summertime. Goodness. Uh, we love summer because family's home. We can slow things down a little bit. I will share with you a story that happened this week in our family. Uh, Friday morning, Sandy and I hanging out. Uh, it's based on fact and truth. Just give you a little cliffhanger there, okay? Um, now, what Caleb just did is really what we're about here in terms of our leadership. Thank you for encouraging. Uh, I love that. I want to say in front of all you guys that Caleb has done, uh, Cody's done an amazing job this year. Caleb's doing a great job. Andrew, raise your hand. Doing an awesome job. Andrew's in the other. Is Andrew back there? Okay. Uh, all our team, like the guys that do this every day, amazing. I love it. Love it. <clears throat> and nobody, no one is, is um, accomplishes great things by themselves. Always a team effort. That's the way it is in the church. Uh, we're going to see Paul do some things. He's going to speak up, speak out, and tell the truth today. He continues to do that. Whether he's shipwrecked, whether he's beaten, whether he's bitten by snakes, that'd probably be a game changer for me. Whether he's mistreated, he continues to tell the truth because truth has been given to him. Truth has actually revealed himself to him. In scripture, we know that truth is a person and his name is Jesus. So Jesus gives himself the truth to us and we are called to do what with that truth? Give that truth away to others. So I want to give you a passage that'll be a kind of a platform for where we're going today. And then I'm going to give you three facts of truth at the end of the sermon. And then I'll share an embarrassing story and we'll call it a day. All right? Psalm 37, 1 through 4. Hear the word of God. Do not be agitated by evildoers right off the get. If we as Christians are just agitated and irritated as non-Christians being non-Christians, we've lost the battle already. Okay? Um, I'm always amazed when people get dogs and they're like, why did my dog chew up my shoes? Because it's a dog. That's what they do. Why, why, is, why is little Rover digging a hole in the yard? Because it's a dog. That's what they do. Non-Christians are non-Christians for a reason. That's what they do. So you and I are not called to be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. We're also called to not look at what they do and say, we need to be more like them. You and I are called to be set apart. They're called to be more like us as we follow Jesus. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Here's what we do, and think about this next verse as I read it. It's all active. It's not just uh, introspective. It's not like, mm, that's nice. Let me have a cup of coffee and think about this. Trust in the Lord. Trust is active. If you're trusting the Lord, you're acting differently. If you're trusting in the Lord, you're thinking differently. If you're trusting in the Lord, you're speaking up. Trust in the Lord. Do what is good, okay? Dwell in the land, and the last one is interesting to me, and live securely. What does that mean? It means that sometimes we have to speak up and speak out to our government, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our educational leaders about things that may not be in accordance with God's word. And the last piece is this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. <clears throat> so we have to ask, what is our heart's desires? Is your number one heart desire just to be compliant? Is your number one heart's desire is to just not, not make any waves? 
If your number one heart's desire is to just not let anybody see what you're doing or move in any way radically, that's not what Christians are called to be. Now, there's three kinds of people, and I'm just going to give you these definitions. You work through where you are, not pointing fingers. I think all of us have filled some of these roles some places in our lives. First one is a pacifist. Now, a pacifist is a physically non-combative person. They are, however, verbally clear about what they believe. They fight with their words, okay? So when somebody says, I'm not going to engage in this type of physical activity, they give a reason for it. And I can respect that. They may not want to fight or be combative with their physical bodies, but they are combative with their words. This is who I am. This is what I stand on. This is what I believe. This is what I will not do. A coward is a physically non-combative person also. What they add to the mix is they also refuse to speak up and tell the truth. They fight nothing. They bow down to power greater than themselves for their own personal safety. That's really what a coward is. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to say anything that would bother anybody. I just want everybody to like me. I just want everybody to leave me alone. It is a selfish mindset. The last one is this. A Christian may or may not be physically combative. Some of y'all aren't afraid to pick up a chair anytime. Amen? That is some of y'all, okay? We, we, we know who most of you are, okay? A lot of you may not want to do that. You don't want to be physically combative, and that's fine. God makes us all different. Christians, however, must be verbally clear about the God they serve and the truth they know that God makes clear in his word. This is a non-negotiable. So you don't want to be a physical person, that's fine. You must be a verbal person. You have to be. And if you're not, then you're receiving this goodness God gives from you and you're choosing to keep it to yourself. And the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus, the gift of facts which illuminate truth are a gift that's to be given away, not kept to yourself. Let's pray. We'll watch Paul, again, continue to stinking tell the truth, even if Felix chooses to, to, to put him to death. And we'll see the process, and then I'll give you three facts about truth. You know, let's pray. Ask the Lord to bless our time. Um, Lord, open our eyes that we might see you. Forgive us, Lord, when we are cowards. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't speak up. Because we just don't we, don't, we don't want anybody to look at us. We don't want to cause problems for ourselves. Teach us, Father, to be verbal, to love and serve, to forgive, to show mercy, as we're going to see Paul do in the text today. But we must tell the truth. We have to tell the truth. All for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Chapter 24, verse 10 uh, Remember, Paul has been on missionary journeys for years and years. He's come back to Jerusalem to give them a financial gift. Jerusalem is kind of where the, the genesis of church began, Solomon's porch and the temple complex. Uh, he's coming back to give an offering. When he comes back to do this, some of the legalistic Jews raise up and they're calling him to account, so much so that 40 men promised to not eat or drink until they murdered Paul. Um, the leader that we'll see today, Lysias, the, command, the Roman commander, raises up like 500 plus dudes to march him 30 miles in the middle of the night to safety. He travels on another 30, 40 miles to Caesarea. This is where he is now. And he's in front of Felix, 
uh, the governor, who is a horrible person, and we will see, as tur- remember Turtleist from last week, those of y'all that were here? Again, those of y'all that are pregnant, feel free to take that name. Little baby Turt, we'll call him. Um, Turtleist inflates and flatters Felix. You will not see Paul do that, but he will tell the truth. Here's what he says. When the governor motioned for Paul to speak, he replied, because I know you've been a judge of this nation for many years. Fact. I am glad to offer my defense and what concerns me. Fact. You can verify for yourself. There's no more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. 12 days ago, he got to Jerusalem, uh, probably there for about a week. And then he's been in Caesarea for five days. Paul is given an opportunity to give a defense. Paul does not lie and flatter. He just shows respect and speaks the truth. And let's speak about flattering just for a second. Most of us like to be flattered, amen? We do. We like nice things to be said about us. Um, The truth of the matter is, if you're around somebody that flatters all the time, you don't really respect them after a while. It doesn't really satisfy Um, remember asking one of our girls when they were growing up, if you could eat one food the rest of your life, what would you want it to be? And it was around the holidays and their response was like, Halloween candy, duh. Like, wouldn't everybody want to eat that for the rest of your life? It's horrible for you, but you think it's good going in. That's flattery. It kind of feels good, doesn't do anything for you. But people that tell the truth to you, you may not like to hear it, but you will respect them for it. Okay, so be one that gains respect, Christian. You can love and care and say nice things without flattering. Verse 12, they didn't find me, this Paul talking, they didn't find me arguing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or anywhere in the city. Neither, uh, Ananias the high priest or Turtleist the lawyer, can they prove the charges they are now making against me. But I do admit this to you. I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, okay? Star Wars did not come up with that phrase. That is in the Bible first. This is what Christians were called, the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. Paul defends on himself. He, he says, and you can say this as Christian, like, no, that's not what I did. That's not what I said. You can defend yourself. You can tell the truth. But he's also not afraid to stand up for the unpopular opinion. The way was this like little thread of a group that everybody thought was just going to dissipate after a while and go away. They didn't realize that Jesus was leading it. Paul clearly and undeniably aligns himself with Jesus. Do you clearly and undeniably align yourself with Jesus? Um, Or do people wonder kind of what you believe? Or do you use some of the rhetoric that some of our politicians say that your personal life, your spiritual life is something you keep to yourself? Nowhere in the Bible do we see that. Verse 15, Paul says this, I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring a charitable gift and offerings to my people in Jerusalem, While I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple without a crowd and without any uproar. Paul's hope clearly is in God Almighty. It is not in people or ideas. Paul is founded in fact, which births truth, okay? 
Um, Paul is trying, even at this level of disagreement, to connect with his Jewish brothers. He's not irritated with them. He wants them to know the way. He's literally saying, these are what we have in common, and yet this is where we differ. He explains why he's in Jerusalem. He describes, based on facts, the event of violence. Verse 19, it is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges um, if, if they have anything against me. Or let these men here state what was wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Those of y'all that knew that 70 men, legalistic leaders of Israelites who were also extremely demonic and horrible people. Uh, today I'm on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. The high priest Ananias and Tertullus, the lawyer, had come up, but not the Jews who had condemned Paul. So though, those that tried to get him murdered, they've already gone away. Paul shows wisdom and knowledge of court proceedings. More than likely, Paul was a Pharisee. He had a very high educational level, right, Gamaliel. He probably was on par with lawyer status. And so he knew his way around this process. Uh, Felix, on the other hand, is a horrible leader. And Felix passes the buck and decides to wait on the commander's arrival, Lysias, who did the same thing. Here, here it goes. Since Felix was well informed about the way, he adjourned the hearing saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Remember, Jerusalem is way up in the mountains, so it's always coming down from Jerusalem, whether you're northwest, south, or east, okay? Um, he ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, that he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Um, he's under house arrest. Uh, neither one, Felix or Lysias, want to take responsibility. Why? They aren't pacifists, but they are cowards when it comes to the truth. They don't want to be held responsible. And if this is kind of your knee-jerk reaction in your spiritual relationships with others, well, I don't want them to think I'm this guy. I don't want them to think I'm like some Jesus person. You're, you're, you're the problem. You're the issue. You're not telling the truth. And you're allowing your non-Christians to frame your narrative. You're living in their world. You're not calling them to live in yours. Verse 24, several days later, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Felix has an interest, and I will just tell you right now, your non-Christian friends have interests. They do. They wander late at night just like you, like this is not working. There's a problem here. There's a motive. I can't get my hands around what the issue is. He also has motive, not based on truth, but greed. Felix desires Paul to be a part of his so-called truth. That truth is you pay me, you give me money, and I'll go easy on you. This is a false narrative. Our world today is full of them. You listen to me. Uh, you just do what I say and I'll take care of you. You take this shot, I'll take care of you. You believe in this mindset ideologically that you may disagree with in your faith, but just go along with it and I'll take care of you. Never is that the case. Paul comprehends this and here's what he begins to speak about. So this guy has literally made it known that if you bribe me, it'll go easier on you. And Paul's response is to do this, verse 25. Now, as he spoke about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid. All he had to do was be nice to Felix and Felix would have been nice to him. Felix, you're actually a good guy. Felix, what you believe is 
really not a whole lot different than what I believe. All roads lead to God. Felix, you're just fine. And Felix could have just given him a high five in return. They both would have been living a lie. Instead, he chose to speak about righteousness to an unrighteous man. Instead, he spoke about self-control to a man that had no control. And he spoke about judgment to somebody who is going to be judged. And this scared Felix. Um, Paul's under house arrest for two years. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money. So he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus, again, have, have at it that name if you choose, succeeded Felix. And because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. Paul's under house arrest for two years. Now, as we're reading Acts, you think Paul's a, an important person. Paul is like a man that's been on the missionary field and he started all these churches and he's led all these people. Surely God is going to vindicate him so he can get back to doing the work of God. But the work of God was for Paul to be still, but still verbal. So he's under house arrest. Uh, He's having soldiers watch him. What do you think Paul did for two years? He told the truth. He spoke up. I think a ton of the soldiers came to Christ. I think the insurrection we see later in the Roman government, my own opinion, is because Paul shared the gospel with very high-level Praetorian guards, kind of the Navy SEALs or the special forces uh, of uh, the Romans. And they're the ones that, that caused insurrection right here. Paul speaks up. He tells the truth. So based on what we know about Paul from all acts, we know he was kept busy speaking up speaking out and telling the truth. This is your calling, Christian. You can be a pacifist. You may be the most peaceful, loving person on the planet. That's cool. You still have to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. It will define your walk with Christ. Either you do or you don't. So three facts about truth. I'll share these, and then I'll share an embarrassing story about myself, and we'll call it a day. Here's the first fact about truth, okay? Blind faith can cause exploitation. No faith, the other opposite end of the spectrum, can cause paranoia, all right? Facts matter. Can we agree on that today? Facts are what define truth. Facts. And when facts are disproved, the truth that was held up by those so-called facts is not the truth anymore. That's how it works, okay? We want to be right in the middle. We, want to, we don't want to be blind faith. We don't want to be, well, you know, I just believe in this person, Pastor Tom, and I watch them on YouTube and they speak to my soul. And I just, no matter what, because they, they've been anointed. If you're a Christian, so have you. And you're called to look into things. And so I like the fact that a lot of y'all have your Bibles out right now, okay? I, you need to check me as I lead, as Pastor Johnny or Graydon or anybody else of our leaders lead and teach, check us. But what you'll find is that we base what we teach on facts, historical evidence. Here's what I would say to you. Real truth is not promulgated by emotion or desire. You don't get to manufacture truth. Emotion and desire is not enough. Real truth stands on its own. A truth that is pushed because of personal feelings or desires is called what? Propaganda. It's a freaking lie. And if you're believing that, then you're believing a lie and not the truth based on zero facts. Here's how it sounds. I believe in this ideology no matter what. 
If that's you in any place in your life, you will be exploited. No matter what people tell me, this is, the, this is my truth, you'll be exploited. Flip into that is I don't believe it all because I decide what is right and wrong. Paranoia will destroy you, okay? You'll see, you'll see issues under every tree and bush and you'll know that everybody's a problem. Proper response, this is the call of the Christian. I want to know the truth. It will allow me to operate in reality, not personal delusion. It matters very little what you emotionally feel. It matters tremendously what the facts are. So um, th- there's, a, there's a Netflix uh, special about how China is really imploding right now because of its one-child policy. And I just started watching it the other I can only watch half of it because it was so sad to me. They're interviewing a health worker and the lady that's interviewing her says, how many babies have you birthed over the years that she was a health worker for 50 years? She said, I don't remember how many babies I birthed, but I did, um, I, 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 I'm the one that perpetuated 20,000 abortions. And I just thought, and she said, and this is, this is not a Christian woman, she said, I know I'm gonna be judged for that. And then her quote at the very end just spoke a strong narrative. She said, but the government decided. The government decided this is what we were called to do. So what she was saying is, I felt in my soul it was wrong, but the government said it, and so the government is my ultimate, and we're gonna obey the government, okay? Uh, now, when I heard that first lady say that, I thought, oh man, that's, that's heartbreaking. I heard four or five more people being interviewed say, these are the things we did, and it was horrible, but the gov- government decided, the party decided, and they had elevated the party to that godlike status. Here's what Jesus says in John 8. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, and belief in New Testament always means to follow after. It never means, yeah, in my head, Jesus is Lord. Yay, now I'm going to do what I want to do in my truth. That's not belief. That's just recognition. So Jesus says this to the Jews who have believed in him. If you continue in my word, my lagos, you really are my disciples. You, Christian, will know the truth for they're based on facts and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. It won't bind you. So what are we called to do based on this truth? Believe in Jesus and believe means to trust. The factor there of his life is resurrection and his offer of salvation all who believe. What's the second thing? Continue in his logos. The word is where we are. We are renewed every day where fresh water is poured on us. We're filled up uh, as we go on our family vacation very soon. I look forward to all the conversations we will have once all my daughters and wife wake up. We'll have wonderful conversations, okay? And it's about the most random things. And I can't tell them, this is what we're gonna talk about and this, we're gonna stop talking about that and then you're gonna talk about this because I'm your father. No, they're people, and, and, they, and they, they have insights and ideas and thoughts. We continue in God's word because God wants to share things with us. And Christian, I've got a newsflash for you. You don't know everything that the Bible says. You don't have a lock on it, okay? Just like you don't have a lock on people that you love. It's a renewing process all the time. We had family counsel last night about our vacation. 
and we were talking about what times we're going to leave, what we're going to do, where we're going to go. Absolutely loved that time with my family. Selena and I just loved it so much. Um, why? Because we're constantly renewing our relationships, and God wants to continue to renew his relationship with you. Uh, last one is this. This, true, this truth from God's word sets you free. That's a fact. Amen, Christian? Raise your hand. If you experience this, God's word and its authority, and when you come under it, you're set free. You're not bound. It doesn't enslave you. That's the lie that the world shares with you that you can decide that you are the God. Uh, number two, truth about um, facts and truth. When in search of truth, saying I don't know is okay. You know why? Because truth reveals itself. Truth is a person, right? He reveals himself all the time. The beginning of all truth comes from Jesus. So there are times when as Christians we have to say, we're not sure what to do next. So you wait and you be still. But when facts begin to surface, you must respond to the facts, not what others have told you to do. You're an independent thinker, Christian, and you're a part of the body of Christ. And you and I, we operate from the same head. His name is Jesus. Your head is not the state. Now, I love our country. I love our country. But we cannot elevate in this time like those blessed Chinese people in the documentary, state above creator. We can't do that. Transgender, a created being, lifting their fist up to God and saying, you made a mistake. And the church's response, we need to respect your opinion. COVID, truth revealed itself. Listen, bottom line, COVID, and look, this is not a political thing, but I'm just going to tell you, the government flat out lied to us. And this is not a political thing. It's just a fact. Both sides of the line lied to us, all right? And Big Pharma made billions. The church's response, we need to obey the government. That's scary to me. This was propaganda. Uh, it was alive in the early church. Circumcision saves you. The law saves you. Legalism saves you. And it is alive today. Yeah, it is. Take this shot and you are safe. Trust this candidate and you are safe. Don't disagree with certain lifestyles and you will not be criticized. There are times, church, when civil disobedience is not only biblical, but demanded. Amen. It's demanded. Now, listen, I'm not trying to, you know, form a little a militia here or anything. That's not me. <laughs> All right? I am one of the physical people, but listen, you and I as Christians are bound by the truth of the gospel. We're also called to the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness of the gospel. This is why to get irritated and angry at people that disagree with us doesn't work, but to speak up does, and we must speak up, and we must act in a specific way, and we must choose to maybe lose everything for the one that creates us. That's what we have to do. Romans 13, 1. Paul is like three or four years away from writing this. In the story today that we're reading, he's three or four years away from writing Romans. Here's what he says, 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Do we want to obey our government? Yeah, we do. It's a good thing to obey the government is over you. Here's the parameters for that. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Okay? That's all well and good. But at some level, when our government is disobeying God, we are called to speak up. 
Be the pacifist, but don't be the silent one. You have to speak up. Sometimes we fight with our mouths. As Christians, we must stand on the truth and declare it. In today's economy, most of the church is more than willing to let non-Christians decide the narrative. The majority of church in the United States is more than willing to allow non-Christians to decide the church's narrative, not leaning into Christ. This is the third fact about truth today. We'll call it a day. Your emotion or how you feel does not decide the truth. Truth is based only in fact. That is the only reality. We don't get to manufacture what is or what is not. Here are uh, two lies from history. I'll give you one. It's probably my favorite one. Smoke a fresh cigarette. Hey, if you're going to smoke, we all know that smoking is bad for you. But if you smoke a fresh one, it's maybe good for you. I don't know. This is a doctor on there. Okay? How, how is the doctor perpetuating this propaganda? Well, because he had decided that his motive was money. And so they give him what he worships. And he gives them what they need. A lie. That's propaganda at its best right there. Camels. Next picture. See this lady right here? Uh, she shops so much. She's at death's door. Okay? Um, how many of y'all shop at Amazon? Let's just come clean. We're all family here. Shop at Amazon. I love Amazon. And Jeff Bezos wants me to love Amazon. So much so that it pops up all the time and tells me all the little things I need. And I haven't come to the space yet where I've bought worthless things and gone, you know what? That satisfied me. I feel full as a human and a Christian. Now, on the, on the flip side, when you buy more, you want more. Um, we can all agree that shopping does not satisfy. Shopping is for meeting needs, not increasing the lust of the eyes. And that's what it is, by the way. It never satisfies. So here's what I'll tell you today. Church, where we're headed, I'm not doomsday guy. I love, I love my country. I love you guys. I love San Antonio. I love my family. Um, I, I, love, I love the things that we've been given as Americans. Whenever I travel, come back stateside, I just almost want to kiss the ground in customs, but that would be gross, okay? But you know what I mean? I want us to realize that it's time to stop allowing those that are, aren't of the church to decide your narrative in terms of what you can say and what you can do. There are times when we as the church need to say, no, we're not going to do that. Sorry. Hey, we've seen the white papers on COVID now. If you lock us down again, we are going to meet because there's no facts to what we just went through. Okay? It's just kind of dissipated into the air. Now, here's my last uh, story I told you I'd share with you before we close. Uh, so Friday, Selena and I are sleeping a little late than normal. It's awesome. We're just lying in bed talking. Uh, we're, we're good friends. We love one another. And we're giggling and laughing. And uh, Selena, one of her love languages is acts of service. So I wanted to let her know that I took the recycling out. Amen, men, you do this. You do the things for your wife. Honey, I took the recycling out. And we just bought a six-foot ladder, which comes in like a seven-foot box. And it's an aluminum ladder, so it's very light. And so I grabbed the whole box and took it to the street. And the trash people come early on our street. And I said, honey, I just want you to know that I took the recycling out and I took the big ladder box out. And she said, the ladder is still in that box. <laughs> now, my reality was that it was not. And so if I had said back to her, honey, 
I know you think there's a letter in that box, but I am positive based on nothing, no facts at all, that there's no ladder in there. Of course she was right. She's my wife. She's right. I got up super quickly, ran out before the trash truck came and grabbed the box and took it inside. So listen to me. As we finish, the truth that you, you, you platform your family on and your faith in Christ on is based in facts. We need to speak to those facts. That's where our truth comes from. It's not what you want to be a reality. Communism works on paper. It doesn't work in real life, all right? We are Christ followers, and Christ calls us to do certain things. He calls like even Paul in this moment where Felix could have condemned him to death, he's still trying to connect with his accusers. Why? Because he wants them to know the way. And that is your calling too, my calling, your calling. Church, we're not called to be a, a sect. We're not called to be some type of weird cult. We are called to be the body of Christ and we need to go where Christ is leading. We need to be a part of that narrative, not the narrative that our government, our country, or our friends, our family decide is Christ's narrative. That's what we need to obey. Let's pray. Communion team, y'all come on down. We'll call it a day. Almighty God, thanks for having no fear, no worry, no anxiety. Thanks for being courageous and godly and loving and a caregiver of our hearts. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for being redemptive through your son, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for being truth. Forgive us for leaning into non-truth and being okay with not saying anything about it. Lord, rise us up to speak truth to our friends and family, to people that we know. We have a gift to give them, a gift of reality based on who you are. Your will be done in all things. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Church, when you're ready, come to the center aisle. Come down front. Receive the bread, which symbolizes Christ's body lived and broken for you. Okay? Died for you. Then receive the juice, which symbolizes his blood shed for you. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Christ chose to give his blood for yours. That you might be seen in God's eyes as righteous and holy. If you're not a believer, stay in your seat. Uh, communion is for believers only. Nobody's going to be looking at you. Uh, if you've accepted Christ today, if you've decided, Lord, I want to follow you, then come down forward and receive communion. Amen and amen.